Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Who will be the next leader of Taiwan? The regional leadership election will take place on Saturday, January the 13th. According to senior administration officials, U.S. President Joe Biden plans to send an unofficial delegation to the island following the race. In response, China urges the U.S. to stop intervening in the elections in any form and stop sending wrong signals to separatist forces advocating Taiwan independence. So what is happening on the ground at the moment? Why do the majority of the island's residents want change after eight years of Tsai Ing-wen, the leader of the Democratic Progressive Party or DPP. Welcome to a special edition of The Point with me, Li Xing. I'm pleased to be joined from Shanghai by Xiao Yuqing, Director of the Institute for Taiwan, Hong Kong and Macau Studies at the Shanghai Institutes for International Studies, Professor Joseph Mahoney at East China Normal University and from Atlanta, U.S. by Zhao Hai, Director of International Political Studies at the National Institute for Global Strategy. The warmest welcome to all of you. Xiao uh, Yuqing, let me go to you first. Could you help us understand some of the basic information uh, concerning this race? We understand there are three main candidates, um, Ho Yo-yi from the KMT or the Kuomintang Party, Ko Wen-jie from the Taiwan People's Party or TPP, and Lai Ching-te from the ruling Democratic Progressive Party or DPP. So what are the main platforms for this election? The election is quite uh, eye-catching at the moment. And the three candidates, they have uh, all their platforms. And I will start with uh, Hou Youyi from Kuomintang. I think his message has been very clear that uh, DPP has in power for eight years. And it's a turn for the Taiwan voters to uh, change another political uh, figure to replace Tsai Ing-wen. And the DPP has been appearing quite worse in the past uh, eight years. and. Uh, uh, Hou Yi has confidence that he can improve the cross-strait relations. And also uh, with regard to those domestic issues, he has uh, his own policies. Uh, but on the uh, Lai Qingde's front, uh, Lai Qingde's message has been he will continue Tsai Ing-wen's eight years policies, especially on the cross-strait relations uh, front. And uh, his message is uh, Tsai Ing-wen has been uh, very successful during the past eight years. So uh, that's why the voters in Taiwan should uh, continue to pick DPP candidate. And for uh, Ke Wenzhe, I think he is a very uh, a non-traditional political figure. And his voice is that uh, uh, the Taiwanese voters have already given the two major parties a lot of opportunities. And now uh, it should, uh, they should give a non-traditional, a new uh, political party a chance to uh, let them know that uh, he can uh, uh, do something more successful uh, than these other two candidates. Mm. Um, so he doesn't really have uh, a policies, but uh, he has uh, his personality is uh, very attractive to the young voters. So how tight is the race at this moment? We understand the latest and last poll took place on January the 1st, and it's done by The Economist, which shows that uh, uh, Lai Qingde has about 36% of support, Ho uh, Yoi has uh, 31%, and Ko Wenjie about 24%. So how tight is this race? 
Well, uh, this race is getting tighter, actually, um, because uh, according to Taiwan election regulation, you cannot publish polls 10 days before the election. So uh, by January 3rd, there's no more polls coming out. And the latest poll shows that there's, uh, according, uh, you've said that, so you, the latest poll shows there's only five points uh, between the leading party DPP candidates and the KMT candidates. The problem is, you know, a month back when there was a effort to join force between the blue and the white, the KMT and the TPP. However, that effort failed. Uh, if they join force, maybe uh, they will now be in majority or in the leading position. However, now because that force has been split, the uh, blue is still behind the, uh, the green. Uh, that being said, I think the blue in recent days has been catching up with the uh, DPP because uh, there is a lot of problem with the current uh, DPP platform and the eight years of ruling in Taiwan. Um, and uh, people try, are trying to change. Uh, you can see that if you combine the blue and the white, uh, the majority of the Taiwanese people wanted to have a uh, change. Uh, however, the problem is because those opposition votes are divided. So, so far, uh, according to the latest poll, the, the leading party is still uh, the DPP. Uh, the final result is still in question because it's very, getting very close, mm. probably within statistical era. So the final results, uh, uh, we still have to wait and see. Mm. Well, for those people who are not very familiar with the politics on Taiwan, the Green is the DPP, which is the ruling party, um, who favor uh, not so close relationship to the mainland. Uh, the KMT is um, the party which is more closer, let's say, warmer towards relationship with the mainland. Um, they are represented by the colored blue, and then the TPP, which is the third party, they are represented by the color white. Now the blue and white alliance is off the table and the fate is clear as to who's going to win out, whether the blue or the green or maybe the white. But let's talk about the different attitudes on the issue of cross-strait relations. Professor Mahoney, let me go to you here. Uh, it's interesting that um, the Green Camp or the DPP represented by Lai Qingde and uh, Xiaobing King, which is his running mate, they held a presser for international press on Tuesday, January the 9th, during which Lai said he had no plans and there was no need to declare Taiwan independence. But he also said Taiwan is already a so-called sovereign independent country. Why has he chosen this particular moment to say these uh, seemingly contradictory words to the world? Well, two points. Uh, if, if one uh, says there's no need to declare independence because one is already uh, an independent uh, and sovereign country, then one must ask, what qualifies uh, sovereignty and independence. Uh, of course, Taiwan is not a sovereign and independent country. It is not recognized as such by even its most powerful friends and supporters, uh, who might add, find uh, their own uh, strategic interest in the Taiwan issue being perpetually unresolved, uh, even if their uh, own commitments, uh, say in the case of the United States, uh, to the one China principle are less than certain um, at this at this point in time. Now, Taiwan does not enjoy an independent foreign policy. Its security and economy depend on others. And Taiwan has been warned that trying to become independent will result in a crushing uh, military intervention from the mainland. So in fact, Taiwan is not independent and Lai knows this as does everyone else. Uh, second, uh, Lai also knows that the White House is not going to support uh, a bid for independence, uh, even though being or becoming uh, independent is 
a central plank in the DPP platform. Uh, he also knows that uh, many voters are worried that he might act rashly uh, if elected. So he's playing uh, a word game, uh, telling his independence-minded uh, supporters that uh, Taiwan is already independent, don't worry, but also telling possible swing voters also not to worry that he won't really change the status quo. So mm. it's probably uh, the most effective political message he can offer presently and uh, hope to uh, therefore uh, sustain or widen the lead uh, over the, the KMT. Mm. Xiao Yuqing, what is your take on the same question? Why do you think uh, the DPP couple now choose this uh, moment to hold a, a press conference to the, to the world? Are they talking to the United States? And then what, how do you interpret the kind of convoluting message they are sending? Uh, I think DPP, uh, Ai Qingde and Xiao Meiqing, they are not only talking to the United States, but also to the allies of the U.S. Because they understand that it's Biden administration's policy, uh, because U.S. is now working to, uh, very closely with its allies, especially the allies in the region, like Japan, South Korea, and other uh, uh, allies. So uh, DPP would like to make this kind of impression uh, by the voters that I have or we have got the support from the international community. That's what they want to uh, uh, send to the message to uh, the, the voters that, okay, we have the uh, uh, capability to keep the status quo of the prosperity relations. So don't worry. Yeah, it's their message. Hmm. Mr. Chow, what do you think he tries to say? And is that indicative of the kind of uh, policy or narrative in case if he's elected? Do you think that he's going to stick to what he said in that presser? Well, I think he's going to set the tone and following that message. And that message has been consistent with the DPP since the uh, Taiwan administration. So I think at this point, there's no better way uh, for that DPP candidate to move forward because on the one hand, uh, as the professor pointed out, the United States currently does not support Taiwan independence and, and the global international community does not recognize Taiwan as a sovereign state. But at the same time, they have to rally their own party base uh, to ensure that their independent uh, party line can still carry on moving forward. So I think uh, combining uh, the uh, domestic and international environment, that's perhaps the only option, only position that he can choose at this point. Uh, and also now the uh, election is very close. He wanted to play up the issue of cross-strait relations uh, so that he can gather more strength for his uh, party line and mm -hmm. then uh, gather the momentum yeah. uh, towards the election. And at this point, as I said, uh, his election prospect is in question. The uh, KMT is catching up. For the voters on the island, for the general public on the island, is cross-strait relationship really um, the issue that is the most important for them, or is there something else? For instance, it's so predictable if you read international reports, immediately it comes to you that Taiwan is a democracy, that the you know democracy is vibrant on the island, a lot of campaigning, you know, a lot of sounds, a lot of people. Uh, and yet, if you look at the performance of the island, it seems that uh, this democracy is not doing really well of uh, very questionable 
quality. For instance, the eight years of Tsai Ing-wen, uh, the issue of corruption, for instance, has largely tainted her administration. Um, Professor Mahoney, how do you look at the scandals surrounding uh, corruption cases? And we're not talking about one, we're talking about a list of such issues. Um, how do you look at the quality of democracy on the mainland? And not being an independent country, can it be a democracy? Well, that's a that's a pretty <laughs> existential question you've answered asked there at the at the tail end of your comment, and and I don't think I'll be able to 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 address that in this format. But uh, if we say, for example, that voter turnout in 2020 was almost 75 percent, uh, and uh, that same year in the U.S. it was around 66 uh, percent, which was significantly lower than, than in Taiwan. Uh, but nevertheless, both were considered uh, higher than average turnouts for, for each jurisdiction. Now, there was some concern. Uh, we, we saw a number of studies in 2019 that younger voters in Taiwan were feeling increasingly alienated from both the KMT and the DPP. Uh, but the rise of the TPP has managed to attract uh, some youth support. So uh, we might say, using these measures as guides, that democracy there is, in some respects, uh, vibrant. Uh, However, you know, vibrancy is not the same as uh, effective or efficient. Uh, and Taiwan has suffered a growing polarization in recent years, uh, like other so-called liberal democracies. And it has therefore encountered more gridlock, uh, politicization, and scandals. Now, in Tsai's case, I think uh, she's often been underestimated, perhaps uh, underestimated as a female. Um, in fact, she's proven herself to be a rather uh, bare-knuckled uh, politician. And it's not surprising, uh, given uh, the polarization, given the, the very distinct uh, uh, platforms between the different parties, that she's promoted uh, loyalist and therefore encountered uh, scandals over that eight-year period. And um, uh, again, this is due to uh, the, the, the tremendous differences that we see in Taiwanese society and across the political spectrum, but also the great number of challenges and headwinds that, uh, that have been unique to Taiwan, but also felt by, by others around the world. Ms. Xiao Yuching, how do you look at the, you know, the perpetual praise for the island being a democracy as if that can overshadow all the other problems, potential problems uh, of, uh, of the island? And actually, I was talking to one, uh, the former chairman of the new party, and he said, you know, the people, the politicians on Taiwan, they are not responsible for the people. They are responsible only for the voters. So even if it is a vibrant one person, one vote system, does that mean it's a good system, it's good governance? Uh, there is a, a lot of uh, thoughts and academic research with regard on uh, the, uh, the quality of uh, certain democracies. And here, uh, first of all, uh, on the Taiwan question from the Chinese mainland perspective, it's not an issue of uh, democracy versus autocracy, right? On the other side, if we do talk to the people on the island, we have seen a lot of the voices. They are very frustrated about DPP's rule, the uh, past eight years. Uh, rules, especially about the corruption and also the social welfare uh, that you mentioned the young voters uh, feel uh, alienated by both parties. So here, uh, I think one important uh, factor here is kind of a fatigue of the voters of the DPP eight years rules. 
But other important factors are also people are really unsatisfied uh, with DPP's ruling, especially those uh, like uh, uh, corruption on eggs, right? Uh, eggs uh, is uh, about our daily lives, but then uh, there is a very small company who has no credibility, but get the uh, uh, subsidies from the government and then uh, to import eggs, very expensive. All those things, uh, uh, voters are very frustrated to see this kind of corruption. But at the same time, I think um, KMT, Hou uh, Youyi, has the burden of the history to demonstrate that KMT, uh, if uh, they come back to power, they would uh, have a better uh, performance than DPP because they have the uh, history baggage. So here, I think it's a, it's a hot topic in the election, but um, none of the uh, candidates so far has the capability to to convince the voter that I, I will be the good one. Zhao Hai, if you agree, and uh, what would you say would be the reason that the candidates are unable to persuade the voters that they are the ones who are going to bring change to the island? Because obviously, um, you know, wages have not gone up. Economic development, very low pace, 1.6% for last year. And literally, if you think about less than 40% support the current uh, administration, that means 60%, the great majority of people on the island, want change. So so why, and yet it seems that the confidence in the KMT is not that strong either, why are they not able to win the trust of the people? Well, first of all, Taiwan is a, still a young democracy. It's only about uh, more than just a little bit more than two decades. Their system is not that mature and it's, it's in the process. Right now, the problem is that from the very beginning, there's two uh, line of thinking or two major uh, models in that democracy. One is uh, the continuous argument of identity. And DPP is every single time playing up the issue of identity, playing mainland and Taiwan against each other and trying to benefit from that issue. And the other one, of course, is daily, day-to-day -day, uh, administration issue, whether or not that democracy can uh, maintain and improve livelihood on the island. And on the second issue, DPP has completely failed. It is a very corrupt party after taking power. It has been monopolized power and using that to benefit their own party members. Uh, and people know that. That's why majority of times people wanted the party to change and wanted to, to have a different leadership. Uh, however, at this point, because, um, first of all, there's a, always a, almost close to one third uh, of the voter population strongly support that identity politics. So it's very hard to dismantle that. And because of the current uh, election system, uh, that the first uh, takes uh, the first uh, position will take over the power. So even though uh, DPP seems to be a minority, uh, but as long as they maintain leading position, they will uh, continue to take that power. Mm. So I think if you combine the institutional uh, problem with the identity politics that created the current impasse uh, where people's uh, will are not being really executed. So uh, again, I think there's a fundamental problem with the current young democracy and there's a long way to go. Hmm. How would the election results potentially impact cross-strait relation or cross-strait situation? Uh, I want to ask this question first to Professor Mahoney. Uh, for instance, the victory by certain parties, how is that going to positively or adversely affect cross-strait ties? What is your take? Um, I know it's a speculative question, but that's the question everybody is trying, trying to figure out. 
Well, I think uh, the, the main concern, and we see this, uh, I think, in global discourse, but also among a lot of Chinese experts, that uh, if Lai wins, that we'll continue to see uh, inflamed relations. Uh, we'll continue to see uh, the U.S. Uh, exploiting uh, this in, uh, to, to bring greater instability uh, to the region and to uh, further the, the anti-containment uh, uh, policy or the anti-China containment policy that Washington uh, has advanced. Uh, in Ko's case, um, you know, he has presented himself as a pragmatist who wants to avoid war. Uh, we're not really sure what his real policies would be. Uh, he said that if 85 percent of young people vote for him, he can win. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I hear about him repeatedly is uh, that, uh, especially among critics, is that he's an opportunist. They question his true political values and how he might respond to crises that, that could uh, happen uh, in cross-strait relations, including those that might be instigated by the U.S. Now, uh, in, in Ho's case, you know, he's nominally committed to the uh, One China uh, principle per the old uh, KMT platform. And uh, thus uh, disagrees with Beijing over who and how uh, China should be governed. But uh, generally, we've seen uh, KMT candidates uh, more conducive to positive cross-strait relations. Uh, he's had to hedge uh, this narrative a bit to compete with Lai's independence message. But I think uh, most people uh, view him uh, as being uh, the more reliably favorable of the three mm. uh, with respect to cross-strait relations. So on Tuesday, head of the International Department of the Communist Party of China's Central Committee, Liu Jianchao, delivered a speech at uh, Council on Foreign Relations in the United States. Now, when asked about the mainland's reaction, should the DPP win or should Lai Qingde win, he said China's position on the Taiwan question remains clear, strong and unchanged. So that's what I'm going to tell you at this moment. Uh, Xiao Yuqing, how do you interpret his sense? How will the mainland react if in, um, you know, this is speculation, I, I clarify once again, if the DPP uh, candidates win out? Uh, if DPP uh, candidates win the election, I think uh, Beijing's position has been very clear, just as you said, what Liu Jinchao said in uh, at CFR uh, event. Because uh, uh, Lai Qingde's uh, uh, history records has shown that he is a uh, independent worker, Taiwan independent worker, and also uh, his current uh, policy platform just continues Tsai Ing-wen's two-state uh, framework. Uh, and when you say when you say independent uh, worker, what what exactly do you mean by that? Uh, if we look at his personal political history, he supports Taiwan independence from the very beginning until now. So, so Beijing has been very clear that uh, he is this kind of a person. And so uh, we don't expect any wait and see period if he wins the election uh, from the Beijing side. So it's what really do you mean a kind by of that? A, do, a do you mean that the Beijing will take some action if he wins or uh, there will be uh, depending on what, what he says, what he declares, or what policies he starts to make. It's my personal views that uh, if he wins the election, Beijing will do something in order to deter him and also those uh, deep green people within the DPP not to do anything that dangerous, even those very symbolic things. These mm. are very dangerous moves. Okay. Zhao Hai, what is your take? Under what circumstances would tension dramatically rise? Uh, well, first of all, I agree that uh, historically on, and until most recently, Lai has been uh, seen as a practical, so-called practical uh, pro-Taiwan independence worker. 
However, I think the mainland will wait and see until he, uh, if he wins and delivers the inaugural speech, and we will discover exactly what uh, what uh, in his mind uh, moving forward about the uh, the cross-strait relationship. Uh, and uh, before that, I don't think China will take any rush move, particularly on the military side uh, across the Taiwan Strait. However, if he insists on moving. Uh, radically towards uh, uh, independence and abandon uh, not only the previous uh, Tsai Ing-wen political uh, agenda, but also move towards more radical, like pro-independence agenda, then I think you will see that the mainland will take uh, a very resolute action to deter and also, uh, if needed, ultimately to, to uh, reunify Taiwan. So at this point, I think it's very critically important for all the candidates, for all the parties, uh, to make sure that uh, the one China principle is not breached uh, after the election. And in order to maintain peace and prosperity across Taiwan Strait, mm. all three parties, mainland the United States and the elected Taiwan administration needs to abide by uh, the principle, uh, one China principle, and be very careful about what they say and what they do mm. uh, uh, during this election and after that when they take power. Um, Professor Mahoney, I have uh, very limited time left. Um, in whose court would the ball be? Uh, now, as I said, according to a Reuters report, an American official said Washington does not take sides in the election, does not have a favorite or preferred candidate, and yet they announced they will send an unofficial delegation, including former senior officials, to Taiwan following the election. They already made that clear. So in whose court will the, the ball be and uh, what would be the United States reaction? You know, I think the main concern is that uh, given you know, what's different between now and the previous uh, election in Taiwan is the fact that the U.S.-China relationship has been so incredibly uh, politicized and it's been something that the two major parties have been fighting over themselves, even though they're both relatively anti-China. They're trying to compete with who can be the more anti-China. So I think the concern is if Lai wins and then he goes against what he's recently said about independence and and tries to declare it in some way, then this could become a political issue in the United States and we could see Republicans and Democrats uh, fighting over whether or not uh, to support and this could become a defining issue in the presidential uh, campaign. And I think this is one of the reasons why we saw this high level official from China going uh, to the White House in the last couple of days to try to talk through some of these issues. Now, if we say uh, who does Washington uh, favor, you know, who is Washington? Is it the conservative Republican cabal controlling the House? Is it the anti-China hawks in the White House? Uh, surely there are different leaders who favor different candidates. Uh, if we understand Washington to narrowly represent U.S. strategic interest, then we might expect them to favor Lai. However, uh, third, I think, you know, Lai uh, has some leverage over the U.S. He can, for example, push forward some sort of independence effort and watch it become a campaign issue, which would create a lot of problems for Biden. Uh, which I don't think Biden wants. Now, mm. I do think it's necessary for Biden to say that he's going to send uh, this group that isn't really an official group. If he doesn't say this now, then he will have to face the prospects of Republicans sending groups, Republicans mm. from the House okay. and others, which would be uh, further destabilizing. Well, we have to leave it there. Many thanks to my guests, Xiao Yuqing, Director of the Institute for Taiwan, Hong Kong and Macau Studies at the Shanghai Institute for International Studies, Professor Joseph Mahoney at East China Normal University and Zhao Hai, Director of International Political Studies at the National Institute for Global Strategy. With that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Lu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point.